TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. With that said, we go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He's the play-by-play voice of college basketball on Fox and the host of Biggie Shootaround, but also a Cleveland native who has plenty of opinions on lots of great Cleveland sports topics. So we bring in John Fanta right now. John, appreciate you giving us some time, man. Uh, I, I Listen, with this change in the college football landscape, college, college sports in general, I just had to pick your brain on it because I know you're so in tune with this stuff, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Spencer, it's great to be with you. Happy 4th to you and, and everybody out there in Cleveland listening. It has been a just a wavelength of shock in the moment since Thursday with USC and UCLA announced that they're heading to the Big Ten. And while that news came as, as a shell shocker in that moment just because of how sudden it all came down I would say this this was inevitable at some point in time we were going to see schools begin to make the moves to form two super conferences in college football which is what we have and I I think people should start to view it as we are heading towards if we aren't there already AFC, NFC, ruling college football when it comes to the Big Ten and when it comes to the SEC. The fact of the matter is this. Why are USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten? How did this happen? Well, how it really happened goes back to Texas and Oklahoma. The moment that those two schools decided that they're going to head to the SEC, the idea of allegiance, the idea of alliance, the idea of conferences, went out the window. And people say, well, what about the location of Texas and Oklahoma? I mean, that's closer to to SEC footprint than USC and UCLA. Geographic footprint no longer matters. Money, TV revenue, and preservation of your program, every man for themselves, that's what matters here. And that's why USC and UCLA, they see the writing on the wall, the Big Ten is going to announce Spencer very shortly that they're doing a major, major media deal with the company. The USC and UCLA do not want to get left in the dark in the Pac-12, which, frankly, Pac-12 football is not what the SEC, it's not what the Big Ten, not even what the Big 12 had been. This is two schools that are trying to go with the times, being proactive, and I think it's another domino in what will be a wide set of dominoes that will continue to fall. This isn't the last school it's going to switch conferences in the month of July. More news is coming. All right. John Fanta coming in hot here at the first uh, first question of the, of the conversation here. So let me ask you this because, and obviously, like, you're spot on with this. I mean, it's all about the money. Big Ten can now say they're coast to coast. They have the two biggest media markets in the country with, you know, Rutgers and, and around New York. And then you obviously factor in now you got the L.A. market as well. What does this mean, you think, for the Pac-12 and the Big 12? Like, are they – going to kind of stay their own thing? Do these teams start jumping? Do more teams start jumping ship, as you kind of alluded to? Like, what happens to those two conferences in the long run? Well, I think a big determiner of that is what happens with Oregon. 
think about Oregon and all their success. Phil Knight, Nike, the brand that they possess. Uh, if Oregon leaves the Pac-12, what what more does the Pac-12 have to even exist? Yeah. Not at much. this point, at this point, the Pac-12 and Big 12 have to come together, and they've got to try to form what can be the third wheel league, if you will, to the SEC <laughs> and Big Ten. I mean, that's what we're looking at here, and it's it's just what has to happen in the current landscape of college sports. It's every man for themselves. It's not even every conference because there's no such thing. Like we're heading in college football, at least we're heading towards just not having any sort of real geographic structure like we had, because frankly, it's archaic. And at the end of the day, the big 12 and the PAC 12 cannot compete with what the big 10 and SEC have, unless they come together. Now, the other domino is this. What happens with Notre Dame? I think that they are the next domino to fall in this process because there's pressure on the fighting Irish. They obviously have the the alliance, if you want to call it that, with the ACC that uh, has them part of ACC scheduling. Notre Dame should go to the Big Ten. It makes too much sense for them not to. That fits in their geographic footprint with this major, major media rights deal that the Big Ten has coming soon. Notre Dame can fit into that, if not potentially expand upon it, But for Notre Dame football, Spencer, being independent used to be okay. They need to be a part of the equation here that the SEC and the Big Ten are forming. If you think about it, if you are in one of those, that means you're not in the AFC. It means you're not in the NFC. It means you're in the comparable of arena football. If you're not in one of those conferences, Notre Dame, you don't want to be an arena team. You want to be in the AFC or the NFC. And for the sake of this argument, we'll call the Big Ten, the, a- the AFC, Notre Dame, get to the Big Ten. You need to do it for yourselves. You're not higher than thou. and that, There's no such thing. If you're not in one of those two super leagues, you're not in a league. Talking with John Fanta on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, bringing the heat in this conversation about realignment in college sports. Follow him on Twitter, at John underscore Fanta. You mentioned, obviously, the alliance, which... At this point, I mean, we know the Big Ten and Pac-12 had some quote-unquote alliance, and that got broken. The alliance between Notre Dame and the ACC here, what is the next step for the ACC? Because their biggest hurdle at this point is they're looking around seeing this going on, but they're locked into this TV contract through 2036, I think it is. So what, what, is they, what, what kind of happens for that conference? The next step for the ACC is keep Clemson. you got to keep Clemson because you need – one of the big boys at the table. That's, that's the lifeblood of a conference, Spencer, at the end of the day, is whether or not you have a program that's good enough to compete for a national football championship in our current climate. Yeah. you got to keep Clemson. They're your, they, they are. They have been the ACC's big boy. So the ACC has got to preserve them as much as possible and preserve Dabo Sweeney. Now, I think that it's going to be inevitable that Clemson joins the SEC. Like, I, I myself would, would say, well, I, I think that Clemson in the SEC makes too much sense. Agreed. Just by virtue of geographic footprint and by virtue of the fact that they can be in the same league as Alabama 
uh, and as Auburn and LSU and now Texas and Oklahoma. And somebody might say, well, wait a minute, why would you want to go in the league with all those? I think we're going to merge into not, not have, potentially having a different playoff structure, and you're going to benefit by being in the same conference as those schools at the end of the day because you could take a loss or two and still make it. You take a loss or two now in the ACC and the SEC and Big Ten have all these teams, guess what? You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt in a smaller league. So it's, it's no holds bar. Like, this is all the rules that you think about or that you say make sense. Forget about it. The money dictates everything here. And football dictates all these moves. It yeah. really does. I think one thing that people don't fully grasp, USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten, okay? Soccer, tennis, golf, uh, swimming, lacrosse, field hockey. This is the sports that people don't pay as much attention to. Baseball, softball, even though softball gets a strong following. My point is, what, what USC and UCLA just did, Spencer, is they said, you know what, uh, we're okay sending our soccer team on seven trips across America. It's going to expand our travel budget by about 20, but we don't really care because we got to compete for football national championships. Football dictates all. USC and UCLA are, are gaining some money, but they're giving it back a ton in a lot of the stuff people don't even follow. These teams have never traveled that far across the country that number of times in the season. They're going to now because football is king in college sports. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, let me ask you this, because particularly, I mean, okay, so you, you hit it the nail on the head. The money is the driving force here, especially when it, as it concerns uh, college football. Um, but one of the things that has made, and you kind of alluded to this as well in your answer there, that's made college sports so great is like the regionalism of it. And, you know, you have these great rivalries within the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State, and on the West Coast between UCLA and USC and Oregon. and what. So you have all these different things, and that kind of goes away now. And you're starting to see the landscape change. You're starting to see these mega conferences. You're starting to see the NIL stuff creep in. Let me ask you this, because I think fans kind of can be split on this answer. Is all of this good for college sports, you think? Well, I think it's a mixed reaction. NIL, to me, it's very ironic. Let's start with name, image, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness is something that college administrators, the powers that be, try to keep away for years and years, as we well know. It is the very thing, Spencer, that they tried to keep away for years that is now keeping, and I have to go to this sport now because it's the best example, but that is now keeping Oscar Sheboy at Kentucky, Armando Baycott at North Carolina, mm. Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana. It's the very thing that these people said would kill their, their sport. College athletics isn't dead. It's changing. And NIL was always part of that change. For a kid not to be able to make money off of his name, like what are we talking about here? And it's the very thing that they criticized that now next March, when you see March Madness come on your TV, you're going to say, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I like watching him play. Oh, I'm going to turn him on. Oh, I like basketball, and he's a star. And what happens in sports? What do we always talk about in sports? What, what drives the bus? The stars drive the bus. Yeah. College basketball is filled, filled with recognizable names, returning stars. 
Why? Because of name, image, and likeness. The transfer portal, it's not good for college sports. Is it killing college sports? No. Should a kid be allowed to go from place to place? Yeah. Should he be allowed to be tampered with and given money to go from place to place? No. But can the NCAA really regulate that? How could they? How could they? If you tell people who are, who are rallying in downtown Cleveland to all go back home, they're not going to, you know, that's not how it works. You don't just, you know, you, you, you're allowed to rally. You're allowed to do what you want to do. You know, like that, that's in college athletics. It's the same thing. You can't regulate how people are transferring. Now, this realignment, is this good for college sports? No, it's not. It's not because there's no real way for any parameter. And in college football, I get the fact that this realignment is occurring. But for the sake of the NCAA and for college athletics as we've known them, it can't be healthy for that. And it's why we are trending on a pathway towards the NCAA as an association not having anything to do with college football. And I am in favor of that, actually. I don't think football should be considered an NCAA-regulated thing that's governed by them. They barely have anything to do with it anymore because the College Football Playoff Committee is made up of schools and ADs. So for me, like, I, I look at football, Spencer, it's so, so far right now from what all the other college sports are because it's totally different in its alignment with this playoff that dictates its national champion. And when that playoff was installed, everybody was going to gun for, how do we win this thing? How do we better ourselves? And most importantly, where TV is king and college football is on from noon to midnight every Saturday, how do we get in a league that's going to make the most money off of that television exposure? The fact is, when we look at all the other college sports, even basketball, the viewership is not what football provides. And so the revenue shares are just different. A few more minutes with John Fanta on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. You bring up the NCAA. You talk about how maybe football breaks off and just has their own sort of governing body. What does that mean for the NCAA's future as a whole? Like, will they still exist just simply because there's always going to be non-revenue-making sports that they have to kind of dictate, plus your D2s and your D3s? Um, but what, is their, what does the power structure look like with the NCAA? Do they maybe lose some hold in college basketball as well? Well, it's a great question. So there's two parts to this answer. Let's look at number one. Spencer, for an Ohio State soccer or volleyball player, to attend their school on scholarship, where's that money coming from? Oh, you're, at, you're asking me? I'm asking you. <laughs> question, I'm asking everybody in Cleveland. For that soccer or volleyball player to attend Ohio State on scholarship, how is that money being manufactured for their scholarships to be made possible? It's coming from the revenue-making programs, mostly football. Bingo! It's coming from the very program that we're talking about not being NCAA-regulated. Meaning, is there a world where 10 to 15 years from now, we don't have scholarship athletes playing, or the athletes that are playing soccer, volleyball, that are swimmers, that are tennis players, are they going on full rides or getting 
a, a significant financial cut or even a financial cut at all. That question is a key one in the whole NCAA college football chaos that we have going on right now. Because the NCAA's pulse is built on football and basketball. Now, to your question on basketball and the NCAA having anything to do with it, the NCAA, their baby, their prodigal son is basketball because it is their number one source of revenue. Folks, college football, the NCAA is not building revenue off of the college football playoff. The CFP is its own entity. The NCAA hands out millions upon millions of dollars to every league in the country, ranging from the Horizon League, where Cleveland State is, to the Big East, where Villanova is, to the Big Ten, of course, and others. They hand out money for every NCAA tournament team you get in and every win you get in the tournament. The NCAA has a gazillion-dollar deal with Turner and CBS to broadcast games, and Westwood won as well, to broadcast games in the NCAA tournament. They're going to continue to keep basketball as safe as they possibly can. And these moves, while they're different, you know, USC and UCLA and the Big Ten, uh, basketball is going to be able to be preserved. Basketball is not going anywhere. The NCAA absolutely needs basketball. If they somehow lost March Madness or if March Madness gets altered, and if it gets altered significantly financially at all, the NCAA would cease to exist. That's why they had to have, they had to have a men's basketball tournament in Indianapolis a couple of years ago during the pandemic when that was still going on. They had to get through that, that bubble. They had to get through that to make their money and be able to hand out their money. So college basketball isn't going anywhere. The NCAA needs that in order to have a pulse. John, this is why I wanted to get you on, man, because you're, I mean, this is what you're passionate about. You give great perspective, great, uh, great insight into what's going on here in the landscape of college sports, and I love every second of it. Definitely worth the listen. You can find this interview in a little bit here on 92thefan.com. John, especially appreciate you giving us some time on a holiday weekend, because I think I saw, are you at the beach this weekend celebrating? I'm at the beach, and I'm mm. in the New Jersey area, and I've been that. watching, on, I've been unfortunately having to watch the games on on the Yes Network, uh, nothing uh, against them, but I've been watching a lot of pro Yankees broadcasts and watching a lot of Yankees baseball that's been good. I would like that script to flip in about an hour and 40 minutes. Let's hope so. Let's hope they get the win today, John, and salvage this thing. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Enjoy the beach. I'm jealous. I wish I was there with you, and I always appreciate the time, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Spencer. Enjoy your 4th of July. You as well. John Fanta, great stuff. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.